Hey, this is Lexi. This is Ari. And you're listening to Hoteller. Hi, we'd like to extend our stay. And upgrade. We're back for another episode, episode two, recording up the second episode of me being in Italy and Lexi back in Tampa. <sighs> it's tough. It's tough being separated, you know, not being next to your co-host. That's rough. We And I, I had a bit of a rough weekend. Not going to oh. get into details. My weekend wasn't super fun, but Lexi did have a fun weekend. We, again, won't be getting into details, but everyone give Lexi a nice round of applause. We are very happy for Lexi. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's funny. I feel like we had the inverse of each other's weekends, Yeah, which is really yes. strange. But, but that's okay. Life is all about ups and downs. I'm here to roll with it. I am accepting what comes. Um, so that's okay. But... I am very excited because I just found a bunch of spots that I didn't know before here in Italy to get um, Sfuso products, which is basically Sfuso means like refill, like refillable. And I just, uh, you know how we've preached, we did the whole guest episode, shout out to um, Kelly Hawaii and Lufka. We did the whole episode about refillable options and um, reducing your plastic. So um, that was... That was really fun for me, and I found places to get Vinos Fuso, which is when you can get refillable wine. Yes, 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 bring it in, which is actually not a very uncommon thing here in Florence, believe it or not. Oh, wow. And I also found a few markets that do, like, uh, grains, like refillable grains and seeds and stuff, so very excited about that. I did know of a few last time I was here, but I've just just expanded my knowledge of... um, where I can find those products. I'm very excited about that. Oh, and I did also, there was one highlight for my week and I did have a very cute, sustainable lunch with some friends and they organized like a zero waste, like meat free lunch. And it was like really, really cute. Um, shout out to Tina for organizing that. That was really sweet. Aw, Tina, we love that. Good work. We do. We're so, we're, we're, we're very excited. She, she's loves the podcast. She was one of the first people giving it mad advertisement when we first started. Oh, I remember. Um, yeah. Wow. Shout out. So, mad OG. shout out. We're very excited. But you know what else I'm excited about? What? Today's conversation. Well, today's conversation actually relates very nicely to your sustainable lunch. Did you happen to have it outside? I didn't because it's fucking freezing <sighs> and cold bitch. and rainy in Italy right now, which aren't good conditions for solar power. And that's what we're talking about today. <laughs> you like that segue? We're talking about solar power. Yeah, oh, yeah. In all her glory. Um, so let's just cut to the chase. Everyone has heard about solar power. This is oh, not, yeah. like, contrary to our previous, like, renewable energy episodes, like, the ones that maybe weren't as widely discussed, solar power's up there, man. Like, that's the first thing people think of when they think renewable energy. 
And, you know, for good reason. Um, it's, it's pretty widely used. I think globally it's powering 3.6% energy. <laughs> That's a pretty specific uh, I was going to say, you're like, me. I, think, like, I think, and then it you know. pulls out 3.6. <laughs> it is. It is. 3.6% of global energy comes from solar. And it's the third most used renewable energy after hydropower and wind. And if you're wondering why it's not as widely used as hydropower and wind, that I is am. because... Hmm, that is because wind has... Like, the turbine is massive, Right. So right. literally in this case, size matters. So wind has a 60% or so efficiency rate, um, whereas solar like has about 18 to 22% efficiency rate at the moment, which we'll get into like current technologies and stuff and why that's the case. But I mean, this also, is kind of, we kind of talked about this in the first episode about how to generate the electricity, you kind of, you have to hit that sweet spot for it to actually... Okay. Yep. Yeah, that makes sense. Yep. So at present, it's at, at best maybe 22% efficiency rate. Wow. And, you know, hydropower is a lot more reliable as well because it's not dependent on such specific conditions. Like there are conditions that make hydropower more um, useful in certain, like I said, in certain conditions. But solar at the moment is very dependent on um, the, the environmental conditions. You know, mm -hmm. sun don't shine. Turbine don't turn, basically. <laughs> but um, but let's just let's let's reel it back a little bit. Um, in case you've been living under a rock, solar energy is um defined as basically any type of technology which can convert sunlight into electrical energy, either through photovoltaic, aka PV panels or through mirrors that concentrate solar radiation. And I don't know if you've ever seen pictures of those mirrors, Lex, but it just, uh, um, it's interesting. It's like a big field of literal like mirrors that are like concentrating um, solar radiation and uh, uses it to obviously generate electricity, but they're, they're definitely interesting to see. I'm sure you don't wanna, someone like you, so fair skin doesn't wanna be in that ah. field. I was going to say, we, we did a lot of permitting relating to solar fields when I was oh, at right. DMP. Yeah. Right. I bet you've seen a, a lot. You can actually probably offer a lot of insight about what that would look like. Well, not to get too ahead of ourselves, I know we're going to talk about space in a little bit here, mm -hmm. and that's when this uh, conversation will be most appropriate, but not so familiar with the process as I am familiar with the actual picking location and constructing and permitting of it. So this is... Right. It's going to be very educational for me personally. Oh, well, you're in for a ride, my dear. Um, buckled up. So, buckle up. Yeah, so this energy that's harnessed from those two ways, um, either through photovoltaic panels or through literal mirrors, <laughs> um, is uh, either used to generate electricity right, th right then and there, or it's used to be stored in batteries or thermal storage. So, okay. as we'll discuss in a bit... You will understand why. I mean, it's so much easier for us to just say, why are we, why are we even messing with it? Like it we, 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 we've got a 22% efficiency rate. Why are we even bothering focusing on producing it right then and there? Why don't we just use a battery or thermal storage? And you will come to find that that is a in increasingly difficult task. 
to be able to store that energy. But right now it's a fat renewable energy source and it's widely used and it still has a lot of um, money and research and like startup fund, like all going into it. So there's a lot of potential. Um, Obviously fossil fuels at the moment remain a resource in declining supply and when they're burned to create energy, you know, ipso facto, we all know that it releases harmful byproducts into our atmosphere. We already know that from our fossil fuel episode. If you don't, go tune in or remove from, get yourself removed from the rock you've been living under. So say, solar power. ostrich and pull your head out of the sand. Thank you. Is it ostriches that do that? Yeah. Big birds. <laughs> I don't know why. Big bird. Um, so solar power has great potential obviously to help us minimize our fossil fuel dependence and the impact we have on the environment but people already know that people already know that so how is solar power harnessed well i already mentioned the two ways um that we're primarily using is photovoltaic panels and mirrors Mm -hmm. um which concentrate the solar radiation you're most likely familiar with pv the photovoltaic panels most people are, are familiar with solar panels, their installation, etc. When you see those pictures of like big fields in California deserts with just like row after row after row of like those disgusting, ugly blocks. And those are PV typically? Those are PV. Correct. Do you know if like the ones they put on people's roofs are... Also PV. Okay, cool. I was definitely Yep. Uh, so residential and grid is mostly using PV, okay. either one. Um, and... Mirror technology is used still, but it's like a fraction of a of a percent. Interesting. Most most energy, most um renewable. What am I saying? Most solar energy is getting is being used um is using PV. Okay. Um. So how does PV the PV panel work? Well, when the sun shines onto the solar panel, energy from the sunlight is then absorbed by the PV cells in the panel, and this energy creates electrical charges that move in response to an internal electrical field in the cell, causing electricity to flow. That sounds actually really complicated. Like, it sounds straightforward, but it sounds like there's a lot of moving parts. There's There's a lot of moving parts, but we don't need to bore ourselves with the, you know, minute details of how, how that works. The people listening to this, I think we're mostly interested in um basically a panel sits on a roof collects the solar energy and it uses it to flow electricity cool interesting so concentrating solar thermal power systems are also known as csp systems are those fun mirrors i was talking about a moment ago and those are like i said used to concentrate sunlight onto receivers which then collects solar energy and convert it into heat, which can then be used to produce electricity or stored for later use. You know, batteries, fun. Um, And this is primarily used in very large power plants. So when we're talking huge, like like you you asked, residential is gonna, residential and like like kind of microgrid is mostly gonna be panels, I believe. And then, bigger massive power plants are going to be using the csp system Interesting. not always they can still use panels too but you only will really be seeing mirrors in like these large systems okay. you won't see a mirror 
chilling on someone's roof. That's not going to do anything. <laughs> It'd be doing and too you much, know, maybe. We all know the gist from this point. You collect the energy, you generate heat, you spin a turbine, blah, blah, blah. We already know that. So let's get into the meat and potatoes, or as Alexi likes to say, nuts and potatoes. Which, I don't know if that gives anyone else a little bit of like a disturbing image, but it does for me. I feel like it could be delicious in a certain setting, but... Moving right along, <laughs> to stop and not to roast Alexi any further. No, roast roast me like a beautiful little potato. Let's fucking get it. Look, we need a reliable and a secure energy grid. That is the question on everyone's mind that's concerned with energy production. Why fossil fuels has been so heavily dependent on it, as we've discussed, it provides us with reliable and has been somewhat-ish secure. They've, they've propagandized it enough to make it seem secure. <laughs> um, but how do we ensure that we've got continuous and reliable energy from solar? Um, well, we've got two ways to ensure this as of right now, regardless of the weather or an unforeseen event by using distributed energy resources and microgrids. Distributed energy resources, AKA DER and microgrids. DER produce and supply electricity on a small scale and are spread out over a wide area. So mm. let's think rooftop solar panels, backup batteries, emergency diesel generators, all of those are examples of DER. And while traditional generators are connected to the high voltage transmission grid, DER connected to the lower voltage distribution grid like residences and businesses are. Hmm. This so is... is that for like very specific generation of electricity? Like if I had solar panels on my house, it would go directly into my house instead of going? Mm -hmm. oh, okay. Correct. Very cool. And microgrids are localized electric grids that can disconnect from the main grid to operate autonomously. So because they can operate while the main grid is down, microgrids can strengthen grid resilience, help mitigate grid disturbances, and function as a grid resource for faster system response and recovery. That's now, cool. obviously, is it is pretty cool. And obviously, this is not just unique to to solar. I mean, we we can use microgrids in DER. I mean, we I mentioned diesel. Okay. generators like i mean like but solar fits very well into this narrative oh for sure which is a nice fat pro and some of the some of the current technology that's happening in the solar conversation at the moment is um you know increased solar and der um, technologies on the electrical grid means integrating more power electronic devices which convert energy from one form to another and this could include converting between high and low voltage, regulating the amount of power flow, or converting between direct current and alternating current electricity. Um, so it's predicted that by 2030, as much as 80% of electricity could flow through power electronic devices. And one type of power electronic device that is particularly important for solar energy, specifically integration is the inverter and inverters convert DC electricity, which is what solar panels generate to a AC electricity, which is what the electrical grid uses. So this is kind of really important for understanding the movement and the progression of solar 
um, and how that can be a really big deal for grid power technology as well as, um, you know, individual re residential power technology as well. Sure. And that, that makes sense because, like, you literally just got done saying any solar power generated right now is the wrong current type for the grid. Mm -hmm. So it has, it has to be converted before it can actually yes. be used, which is a really big disadvantage, I think, personally. Yes, it, and it's what I was just going to say. That's that's one of the disadvantages to solar. It's one of the reasons solar is not as widely used as wind or hydro. There's a lot of steps, and um, it, uh, it does require kind of an extra... Um, I guess a, a little, a, a lot extra planning to be able to, and money <laughs> to be able to do this, which we'll get into the money conversation in a bit. I know a lot of people have the argument that solar is super expensive and that's not necessarily not true, but when you think about it long-term, yeah. it may change people's minds, but solar yeah, power has, on that one. <laughs> I think you and I both mm -hmm. do, but solar power has like mad diverse uses. I mean, solar energy is extremely versatile, which is a which is an advantage that it offers, and it sure. can provide power not only to our homes and appliances, like specific appliances. I mean, we've we've seen specific things be sol be powered by solar power. I hadn't really thought about it, but that's a good point. I mean, I remember on campus we had like the solar powered bikes. Yeah, wow. yeah, there, there's. I mean, it goes as basic as like they're solar powered calculators. Like there are, True. it can, it can, oh, wow. it can yeah. be super minor, super small scale, or it can power an entire grid. Like it's extremely versatile. Like I said, not only for homes and appliances, but to places where channeling power from a grid is impractical or impossible even, such as remote off-grid locations, satellites, boats, etc. So it's, um, it's a pretty... Pretty big deal. Pretty big deal. Huge. Obviously, huge. So obviously, this is, an, this is a disadvantage that we're currently facing for solar power is the fact that it is sunlight dependent, which, you know, it doesn't take a genius to, to break that code. But without sunlight, at present, okay, I'll get into energy storage and batteries in a moment, but at present, without sunlight, a system reliant on solar energy can simply not produce power. This causes a lot of obstacles. This is why solar is powering 3.6% of the globe's energy, where wind and hydro are powering, I forget the statistic, but it's a lot, it's a lot higher. At least double. Because you don't need, you don't need the sun to be shining 24-7 for wind to work. And wind capture has a 60% efficiency rate. So even when the sun is shining at the perfect time at, you know, midday, you're, and it's like no clouds in the sky, no rain, nothing, you're still only capturing 22% like wild. efficiency. It's not great. But it's also not insignificant. I, I feel like that of course not. is a, a good, you know, we're sitting over here being like, oh, it's only 18, it's only 20. It's still... I mean, but the sun's always shining, you know, as yep. long as we're not, as we've talked about, Unless the sun you're exploding in Pennsylvania, in a... because uh, <laughs> where I'm from in PA, we get an average of 53 days of sunshine a year, so... Uh... Well, this, this is a great segue into my next conversation. This is why we need storage, because the sun doesn't shine perfectly everywhere. The sun, currently in Florence, fucking Italy, hasn't been out for the two weeks I've been back. It's been raining, it's been cold, it's been cloudy, 
I've been experiencing my, you know, annual winter depression. Seasonal kidding. affective I, disorder. Yeah, kidding. Love I love it. I love Italy. I love I'm actually very much enjoying the cold. But my point is is yeah, there's it's not going to be the perfect conditions everywhere all the time, and it's usually not. Like even even in a, in a place in the middle of the desert where the sun is shining you know, without any interferences, you still have nighttime, like the night still comes. So, um, at best you're getting, you know, six hours of like optimal sunlight mm. to capture the energy. So this poses a problem for consumers in areas with less than ideal levels of sun exposure and poor weather, obviously. So solar batteries to store excess energy are essential to mitigate this issue. And even under constant clouds and best solar panels will, um, the, and even under constant clouds, rain cover, whatever, the best solar panels will still remain cost and energy efficient enough to be worth the installation at least. Because, you know, that's another factor is, is it worth it for the consumer? Mm. So, I mean, I don't know how much everyone is like keeping up with, you know, the startup trends and stuff like that. But solar energy startups... Solar energy storage startup specifically is like a huge market. If you're trying to look to become a millionaire or a billionaire in this lifetime, I mean, if you can find some really nice investors and researchers who are willing to put their time and money and efforts into this, huge sector at the moment. All right. What um, the fuck are we doing? Let's, you know, right, you know I can't, cut the tapes. I can't Let's think- go. I can't think of an algorithm off the top of my head that's going to make this work. But, yo, if I could, I'd be right there. I mean, think about it. If you can fix the storage problem, that's most of the disadvantages for solar solved. That's mo- yeah. I mean, you are helping to reduce costs at that point because now we're not dependent on a certain time of the day. You're also helping to... I mean, again, the dependency issue is a huge factor in why solar isn't uh can't be used as much so you reduce it once you figure out the storage situation we're solving a lot of issues um most bad i mean it's it's a very complicated science i'll briefly get into it but most of the most energy storage most of the batteries are using um well most startups i'll say are looking toward redox flow technology which uh, um, a common one we all know is the lithium ion battery Everyone knows about that one. Or at least if you're in one of those um, anti-electric vehicle people, you should know about the lithium-ion battery because that should be your main argument. It's uh, tough to dispose of, costs a fuck ton to make, etc. Uses very precious resources to manufacture. But that is a type of... hmm. But that is a type of um, redox flow technology. And so most startups and most research is looking toward this because um it works right other than the obvious why we need um well we obviously need to figure out a battery or a storage situation that's why startups and uh, research is so heavily invested into this for the lack of dependency on using that energy right then and there once it's converted into once we convert that radiation from the sun into electricity but there are other there are other reasons why we really need to figure out the storage problem is because um well 
as I just mentioned, mentioned balancing electricity loads, mm. um, without storage, electricity has to be generated and consumed at the same time, which is what I just talked about. But this could mean that grid operators take some generation offline or curtail it, it's called, to avoid overgeneration and grid reliability issues. So there may be other times after sunset or on cloudy days when there is little solar production but plenty of demand for power. Yeah. So you need to figure out storage. Or have another source of energy as your exactly. backup. Which, how many times do I got to say it? Let's use let's use them in conjunction with one another. If the sun ain't shining, the water is definitely running or something, you know. Or the heat the the earth is heating and mm. the wind is blowing or the, the wind is blowing. nuclear power plant is firing. Something's doing something. <laughs> Something's happening. And obviously having solar power, battery, energy storage, whatever you want to call it, is on a very secure way to provide backup power during an electrical disruption. Us being Floridians are no strangers to electrical disruptions we've experienced. Nope. Well, she's not a Floridian, hey, but she's been, been there long seven enough. Years. <laughs> she's been there long enough. You know what you know what I'm talking about. You've seen okay. enough hurricanes. We Tropical need something storms, the whole Yes, k- we k- need k- something that can provide us with some power when shit goes sideways. Um, literally hurricanes will turn the city (laughs) affected sideways. Um, so it's, it's a no brainer. There's no, there's, it's no, no, it's a no brainer as to why startups are focusing so much of their time and energy and money into this. Yeah. There's a guaranteed return pretty much because we need to figure this out sooner rather than later. We're running out of fossil fuels. If you didn't know, now you know. If, if you didn't know. It's wild. Um, hurricane Ian was the most recent hurricane that rolled through here. Mm-hmm. And in our neighborhood, we we lost a huge tree. Luckily, no one was hurt. And actually, nothing actually got hit by it. It took out a mailbox, but whatever. RIP the mailbox. I'm pretty sure that's a federal f- offense, but I don't think we're going to prosecute. Wink. Anyways... Probably six hours after the storm passed, it was literally nothing but blue skies and sunshine. So, in this instance, if if we had had um, solar panels hooked up to our house and they weren't damaged during the storm because my house didn't receive any damage, obviously the wind and everything was gnarly, but we were without power for three or four, actually I think maybe a week, I can't even remember now, but... You guys and did lose power for quite did. some time. We didn't even lose power at my house. And that's, you know, sometimes that happens. But had we have had solar panels, we would have probably not had any power during the storm. But immediately after, we mm-hmm. would have been fine. And that would have been really nice. I know some people that go through natural disasters and maybe are in a similar predicament. That can be life or death if, if you're, you know, if you rely on electricity mm-hmm. for maybe um, a health device or something to that effect, it can be really dangerous to lose power, even if it's just for a day or two. It's it's true. I mean, this is going to become an increasingly um, uh, influential problem as, um, as storms become more intense, more frequent, 
Right. This is something we've, we've got to talk about. It's a conversation no one wants to have, but we, we have to have it. Yeah, and I mean, um, Florida's no stranger to natural, uh, like, the we're no stranger to hurricanes and tropical storms, but we still lose power almost every time they roll through. So it's just and, another example that, like, you can prepare, but not necessarily to a point where you're fine and functioning during this kind of stuff. Well, and this is a really good, um, this is a really good point for my next point, because I hear a lot of Floridians, even though they experience this almost fucking annually, complain about the costs of solar. And while it's true that there are a lot of um, there are a lot of upfront costs with solar, I'm I'm not even gonna I'm not gonna deny it. Like uh, solar panels, um, I think on average a consumer, if you're talking about just yourself, can um, can expect to pay almost eighteen thousand dollars on a complete solar setup for a home before accounting for any incentives or federal solar tax credit. That's I mean I don't. I don't have eighteen thousand dollars lying around that I could do that. I certainly do with. not. And there are other soft cost basics, like um, a number of non-hardware costs um, that also impact the total cost of of solar energy. That's stuff like permitting, financing, installing, um, as well as the expenses solar companies um, incur to acquire new customers, um, pay suppliers, cover their bottom line you know basically so for rooftop solar energy systems soft costs represent the largest share of total costs um and if we're thinking of total grid production yet like yes i mean we talked about the photovoltaic um panels those aren't cheap you know they, they it takes a lot of um as i've mentioned before precious resources uh space to to install but it's the um, it's the low like maintenance costs that make solar well well worth it. Um, once they're installed, a solar system requires very little maintenance as long as it remains unaffected by any environmental factors. Um, so if panels are kept clean and free of debris, they should continue to function without any additional action by the consumer or the government, if we're talking about a grid production, for many years. Um, professional service for a, residential panels can cost between like 140, 180 US dollars, give or take. But while an annual inspection of cleaning cost is about 150, we're looking at solar panel warranties are typically covering most of most of these types of costs. Mm. So like, there's, there are, yeah, like it sounds like a lot, but you look at the fine print and you also look at your, like your ROI. Maybe, I mean, you're not gonna be, mm-hmm. After, you know, maybe think about five to 10 years after this, you're going to be saving a ton of money. But what I would like to turn the everyone's attention to is I think what we really need to be focusing on when we're thinking of costs and solar energy costs specifically is I think we get caught up in like the initial installation. We get caught up in, so maybe the maintenance costs are low, but they're still costs. We're forgetting about the fact that unlike fossil fuels, the electric bill for solar 
will probably never change because solar is the same always. The sun is the sun and it's shared amongst every global entity. Like, I mean, sure, there are places where the sun shines more than others. Okay, that's fine. But like, we're not talking about the the like Import, uh, political export. and ex yep. exactly or the political ramifications of fossil fuels or paying like, to get the the energy source so think about that like do i have specific numbers for you no but i'm not an economist but like i feel if we all just take a fucking second to like think about how this could benefit us long term throughout the duration of our life, like you're looking at a much more stable source of energy. It's not yeah. dependent on, and this goes back to my consistent hard on I have for domestic, <laughs> domestic production of energy as well. Yeah. The sun shines on your fucking roof and that is your fucking energy and you're not reliant on the political tensions in Eastern Europe or the Middle East or even the US's involvement in yeah. all that garbage. Like that is that is yours or if we're talking about grid production again, the US doesn't have to doesn't have to even involve itself with the political tension that is the fossil fuel industry. This yeah. is a domestic source of energy. So you want to talk about solar energy independence like here it is. I mean, solar energy can help most consumers individually power their homes as an alternative or supplement to purchasing electricity from a grid. Um, right. You know, like with, with power prices on the rise, which they've been on the rise. If, if you study energy, energy prices or power prices, it's a consistent, it's a consistent increase. Mm -hmm. Consumers stand to save a considerable amount of money on, on monthly power bills. By switching to solar. I mean, yes, high investment costs, but like these are the types of things that make it well worth while. And you just mentioned energy independence. A home reliant entirely on solar power features the capacity to function entirely off grid. Like you mentioned in times of, you know, power destruction, <laughs> um, especially when supplemented with solar battery with a solar battery system. Right. So if you've got your solar panels, which are powering your energy, it's a direct conversion. When the sun is shining, you're getting energy, but you also happen to have the solar reserves in a battery. Mm -hmm. You can also um, turn solar systems into emergency backups during powder, power outages. Right. Let's not also forget to mention, while we're on the topic of money, that solar panels also increase home value. <laughs> I don't know that. if that's of importance to anyone, but... Um, I did find this. So according to the National Renewable Energy Laboratory, every dollar a solar panel saves you on your electrical bills increases the value of your home by $20. So think, $1 to $20. When, I mean, the math, she's looking good. Also, homes with solar panels sell for 4% higher than those without them. That, that I can... That I can buy. That I, that, well, I can't buy it because I don't have that <laughs> kind of money. But I do believe I, that. I, I, I never, I never knew, prior to doing the research for this episode, I never knew that solar panels actually increased the value of a home. I don't know if that was me being a dumbass, me well, being no, uneducated. No, I, I, don't, I don't think it, it's just one of those things where it's weird because it's becoming more popular, but it's not at a point where 
it's the popular thing, you know? Like, does a pool, do you, does having a pool increase or decrease the value of your home? I don't fucking know. You know, like, it's not something you really would realize unless you're, you're doing your research and your due diligence. I do think that um, it is worthwhile to say you have to be really mindful of the legislation in your area when it comes to solar panels, though, too. Remember in 2015, yeah. there was um, there was a referendum on the ballot in Hillsborough County that sounded really pro-solar, and come to find out it was actually going to be um, – it was going to take a hit to the consumer. On just people that have solar panels on their house, it was going to – affect them in a negative way those fucking those fucking ballots are written so the the sheer syntax the language used they're not it's not supposed to be it's not supposed to be so difficult to read exactly it it shouldn't be hard for people to figure out what it's trying to say but it was intentionally difficult for the fact that it was trying to pull the wool over on people's eyes which i mean it's a good it's a good point but as a as a and a different side to this coin it's very interesting that a referendum would make it on the ballot that is intentionally trying to make people maybe a little less intrigued by solar energy because that to me speaks volumes in the sense of okay who wanted that on the referendum who, who is benefiting from us not using solar power? Is it really? Because obviously it's got to be a competitor and be competitive enough for them to go out of their way to be this conniving about it. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying. I mean, you, you, your initial point, like you, you make you make a great point. Um, the, I, th- I think you said local, was it local little litigation that you said? I forget the word you specifically used, but... Ref- Referendum? Referendums, maybe. Anyways, you make a good point about keeping keeping um, in mind where you are in the local government and how um, how it's being... Regulated. How that resource is being regulated, of course. Um, you know, one thing... One, one other thing I... Um, a couple other things I'd like to mention. I, I mentioned how, yeah, there's like kind of expensive initial startup costs... It, I mean, but there are long-term savings, like I said, and to quantify that further, it's it's said that usually between six and ten years is when you start reaping benefits um, of solar use and installation. Um, and then after that, you're chilling. You're I'll say you're rocking and rolling. You're rocking and rolling. Um. I also read that it that solar panels benefit the community, and I thought this point was interesting. Um, there is a process known as net metering, which I didn't know about, which essentially like allows consumers to sell excess electricity their panels produce back to u- the utility company. Mm-hmm. I had no idea this existed, but this obviously further reduces ut- utility bills. You get money back, and this... Um, will reduce an entire community's reliance on fossil fuels as well. Right. That's cool. Fuck, I didn't yeah. know about that. Yeah. I don't I mean that sounds like a mad like Oregon or California thing. It doesn't sound like a like a Florida thing, but that's fucking cool. So, what ends up happening um you 
you get a credit towards the amount of energy that is being put back into the grid. But this is another one where you have to be careful because Mm -hmm. people are working to pass legislation that either gets rid of net metering or basically strips homeowners from being able to benefit from it. And that's actually happening right now in Florida. As of Of January 3rd of 2023, look out for Florida House Bill 741. But look, look, let's just say, let's just say this. Technology is improving and the prices are decreasing. So whatever you think is expensive now, it's, uh, it's getting less and less expensive. It was a lot more expensive 10, 15 years ago to do this stuff. It's getting a lot better. Technology is getting better. Um, so don't fret. And as we've mentioned, there's a lot of benefits to having solar installed on your home and using it in the grid. Now, there are other disadvantages I can think of for the grid production, which we'll get into, one of them being the disgusting amount of space it takes to clear out and install all these beautiful panels. And also the, what is it, sheep that you need to maintain? <laughs> like, I know that a lot of solar, I did a, pro, I did a research on this at, um, at my last company, but a lot of um, solar fields use sheep to like maintain the grounds so that you don't need to hire like groundkeepers. I just thought that, that was that's. It's also adorable. really hard to like get around the the solar panel equipment. So I think it probably actually makes sense to have some animals I mean, in there that aren't going to cause a lot of destruction to those. But the technology has improved tremendously um, since the early days of solar power, and advancements are continuing to be made daily. And better yet, despite these advancements, solar's ubiquity appears to have um, driven its own cost down, making solar more accessible to consumers. And um, many state incentive programs and federal tax credits, depending on where you are, uh, can also help consumers minimize the out-of-pocket amount that they spend on a new solar system. Yeah, I mean, you said it yourself. People are looking to entrepreneur their themselves right into the, the business. I mean... Money talks, and she is plentiful in this business. Mm-hmm. I know I just mentioned space constraints. I mean, there are disadvantages. Like, just like everything, there's disadvantages. There's there's space constraints associated with solar. Um, and depending on the number of solar panels needed, finding enough adequate exposure can be very difficult. Um, I don't know if you have any other comments about your time at the DEP, And what that was, what you saw and what you, um, if you just have any input on that, like that, I personally, like I said, I did research on this at my, um, at my, um, environmental uh, science consulting job. And this was, it was a bit, it was a big, uh, it's a big research project. In Florida, it's interesting. The projects I saw, and I'm not going to say that they're all this way, but just to give an example, One project that I worked on was for a huge solar field that was being permitted. So it wasn't constructed yet. It was in the process of getting approved. And this particular location, and there were a few others like it, old farmland was being converted from open pasture to solar fields. And what happens is the farmers usually sell the property to a power company that is going to build the solar field and that power company is the one that comes to us to get the permits through. Where it gets a little tricky in what I saw, obviously these are massive, massive 
plots of land, like hundreds of acres that they are putting Mm -hmm. solar panels on. Typically, the pastures aren't in use, which is why the farmers are selling them to the power company to use that space. And Mm -hmm. technically, it's not creating an impervious surface because the ground underneath of it is still there, which is a pro. Um, But what it does impact is going to be if there are any systems underneath of it. So at my last job, we, we regulate wetlands in Florida. Wow, and when you have when you have the wetland systems, they can be impacted. Their hydro period, so the the amount of water and how long they stay inundated, which basically means how long the water stays above ground, mm-hmm. can be affected by the solar panels and where they're placed. So it takes up a lot of space, like like you were saying. You saw firsthand dealing with. Uh, one of an interesting an interesting um you know kind of disadvantage to solar to solar panel and solar panel installation and solar fields and you know i mean i guess it, it kind of this is a little diverging from the topic at hand but it's worthwhile to mention because we're talking about space and resources when these solar fields are being constructed typically they avoid as much wetland impact as possible but we have different kinds of impact there's primary which means you're impacting the wetland itself directly and secondary which is like okay you're affecting something that is then going to trickle down into the wetland not necessarily a literal trickle down but more of like a processes trickle down right right there are only so many ways you can mitigate um and offset your impact to that system and by that, I mean, you can purchase credits up until a point, but when the credits run out, you can't, you can't just offset that, that impact to right. that space. And, for, you know, right. for Florida, it's wetlands, but in other parts of the world, it's different kinds of ecosystems that might be affected by this wide use of space. And it's not just a solar power conversation, but just to point out that it's not necessarily that it quite literally takes up a lot of space if it's not being put on the roof of something but also it could be taking away a resource that has a very critical function in our environment we need to be very careful with the placement of these solar fields land use which adds which adds to um it's just an extra resource management uh practice that needs to be properly mitigated and um and executed so yeah yeah, I mean um overall I'll let I'm gonna let Lexi go on this one overall what are your what are your solar thoughts to be completely honest I I really like solar energy I understand that there are some environmental impacts related to the manufacturing and we were talking about batteries earlier and you know you and I are no stranger to the fact that batteries are hard to to get to get rid of once they're you know there's a there's the disposal problem there's also the fact that right now since there's not a super efficient battery at present it's expensive you know the battery is also expensive yeah but yeah but further I think Solar is probably one of the few 
energy sources that you can have on your home to generate electricity. I mean, if we want to talk about local production and domestic production, look no further. This this is a really incredible way to do that. And even if it's not for every single home, because as I said earlier, where I'm from in Pennsylvania, we get 53 days of sunshine a year. I don't know how efficient solar panels would really be on somebody's house out there. But if we have like a cityscape where we have open rooftops where we could place solar panels and power an apartment building or we could power a business, um, I think it would be really silly to not capitalize on that. So I think what it's going to end up taking is cooperation from um, the government to really subsidize these efforts because otherwise most people don't have the the capital just lying around to install it on their home or maybe even their business. But mm-hmm. I I genuinely do have high hopes for solar panels and solar power in general. I don't necessarily think that solar fields are the best use of this resource personally. Um, but if that's not the way we're doing it, I think it could be it should be making more than 3% of global or 3.6% of global energy. It should be higher than that personally speaking. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? What are you thinking? Oh, for me, solar's a no fucking brainer. It's a no, it's, it's a, it's a no brainer. It's a no brainer. There are disadvantages. Yes, but everything has fucking disadvantages. Um, if I, I am very, I am very aware about obviously I'm, we just did a whole fucking podcast. I'm very aware of the, um, of this of the disadvantages especially that the ones that are posed for an individual consumer right what that could be like i mean it it seems like a lot of upfront costs like you said without without government assistance it's like near impossible like even like a you know a middle class family can't can't afford the 18,000 upfront costs like even if you are looking at the at the ROI with with the your your own home appreciating in value etc um it's ex- it's expensive Solar fields take up a lot of space. They um, they have uh, other uh, repercussions, such as um, affecting the the local habitat or the local water systems, like we talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a no brainer. I solar again is always gonna be there <laughs> for as long as humans are concerned. The apocalypse, you know, I don't know what the latest, uh, the, what the latest conspiracy theory is, but the apocalypse is not probably coming in our human lifetime, you know? Unless it's an environmentally induced, uh... Well, at that point, then, humans will be gone and we won't need the fucking energy anyway. Like, <laughs> the sun is always gonna be there. I'm very pro figuring out the technology to store it. I think that's, like, number one priority. It mm, should be, um what this energy storage because that in my opinion more than the environmental factors more than the um water cycle it it could be potentially affecting more than it's like 22 percent efficiency rate the storage is the biggest problem yeah that we're facing without the ability to harness and store it and use it um when when we need it rather than using it immediately after it's immediately converted when the sun is shining we are literally dependent on like four hours maybe a day depending on where you are of like optimal sunlight and that's that's what sucks in my opinion is um the fact that we haven't figured out 
a low environmental impact battery because even the ones we do have right now are lithium ion and they're mm. kind of shit for the environment. It's made from very precious natural finite resources. The disposal mm. of them is, is shit. That's where I think our efforts need to be because once that's sorted, this is a no fucking brainer. The sun is always shining, has zero emissions associated, zero. I don't think there's any other one besides nuclear that has zero emissions. Yeah, because I mean, em- emissions are like we've said before. It's it's more than just uh, the, it's more than just the carbon associated. So yeah. So this is a big, this is the biggest deal for me. Once that can get cracked, this is me with my with my lighter lighting a fire under people's fucking ass. Figure this out, people. You want to be a millionaire? Fucking crack this code. Like, Lexi and I are going to be on it. No problem. If I, I do consider myself uh, a sort of, um, let's just say Einstein could be a close relative, okay? (laughs) I, (laughs) kidding, kidding. No, I can't write the fucking algorithm to figure this shit out. But someone's got to, because once this is sorted, we needed an Alan Turing level genius, whatever. I don't fucking care. Someone figure this out because once that's sorted, we're golden. I mean, the implications can, from that would go so far beyond solar too. I mean, Jesus Christ. We're putting away our soap boxes. We like solar I'll put energy. Away, I, like, I, I like where it could go. And right now, yeah, there's some disadvantages. It might be expensive, sure. But like, I'm very pro putting more money and research into this to make it more efficient to increase storage capacity to encourage uh consumers and homeowners to get this shit on their house to encourage businesses to to implement this technology honey you're in a toxic relationship right now they are sucking the life out of you there's no future there there's no (laughs) future there's no future there baby Find someone, this is actually kind of going into like my shit weekend. Mm. Find someone Mm. that is going to, you know, propel you into a bigger and brighter future. And that, my dear, is solar. So if you are having issues removing your self from from the, the asshole of the fossil fuel industry, I encourage, I encourage you. To go to therapy and then put it in somewhere else, babe. Try something new. Say. I mean, I just I just don't think the disadvantages outweigh the advantages here. That's just, that's my hot take. Um, I agree. And I don't think that's a hot take. I think that's the wise take. I, I can't believe we waited for all the sexual innuendos for the very end of this episode. But the people say. who stuck with it are going to get a nice treat. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they're, they're going to get an earful with that one. Mm. That was but, a lot. But, you know, I'm sorry if that was a bit harsh. She's in a silly, goofy kind of mood. Alrighty. So, people, as always, please like, comment, subscribe, share this podcast with a friend, follow us on Instagram, send us an email. You know the, the I almost said the jizz, and that's not the word I wanted to say. You, you know, know the, the jizz, baby. <laughs> on that note, um, we hope that you tune in next week for the next episode we're not going to tell you what it is because we like to surprise you but let's just say also after you like share subscribe leave a review do all that fun shit please let us know 
if you learned anything from today's episode and what your thoughts on solar are. Mm. And if you think that my, you know, toxic relationship analogy was helpful in your understanding, please do let me know. That's all I got, folks. Hasta la motherfucking pizza. I say alla prossima, perché ovviamente sono italiano ora. Bye, bitches. Bye, bitches.